Welcome, everyone, as Fantastic Geek Talks, the latest Star Trek news. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Ahoy, Pete. Ahoy, Matt. Ahoy, everyone. Here today to talk a bevy of Star Trek news. Indeed, Pete. And let's start with the wonderful opportunity that we had last week meeting George Takei. He gave a one-hour, one-man show at uh, the State Theater in New Brunswick, New Jersey, and we were uh, we were proud to see him speak as he talked about his life. I was so impressed the absolute fortitude of a man of his age. I mean, eighty-two years young, never wavered, never faltered. Um, just so so impressed with uh with what we saw yeah and just in terms of the physical presentation you know stood there and gave gave the talk gave the 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 one-man show it was not you know intercut with time off stage or now let's go to the videotape it was him kind of recounting his life Uh, it was bookended of course by star trek anecdotes talking about this this uh, spaceship to represent earth and people from different corners of it and he, he of course concluded with uh, himself representing uh, the peoples of Asia, and then uh, quickly turned into him talking about his Japanese American experience during World War II. Uh, I'm sure many people know that he was uh, he was you know pulled into the internment camps along with his family that existed for for several years for Japanese Americans on the West Coast. Yeah, and though he talked about how he looks back at his youth. Fondly, his time spent in these camps, you know, made light literally and figuratively of the fact that when he ran out to the outhouse at night, that the um, the sentry towers were so kind to light his way and and follow him with a spotlight. Um, You know, this is somebody whose formative experience as a human being, his his real memories drawn there. And two pieces of news with that. One we knew, the other I was unaware of. One in July, he has a graphic novel coming out um, told through the eyes of five-year-old George Takei called They Called Us Enemy. And then in August, the thing I was already really looking forward to, and a a trailer actually dropped the next day after we saw him, is uh, he's going to star in AMC's follow-up to its anthology series, The Terror, The Terror Infamy, which is going to take place in the internment camps in the 1940s. And, you know, without getting too current eventsy, I think, certainly when I first heard about these internment camps, when I first heard about it, quite honestly, from his autobiography that he published mid-90s, uh, it was then mentioned in passing in my history class, uh, kind of seemed like this thing from bygone era, here we are now again, different circumstances, but having debates about camps and children in camps and things of that sort. So certainly no more appropriate time for somebody to have who has lived through those to remind us of his past. And, and hopefully we can take direction uh, from it in our present. It was an interesting presentation, particularly in the middle for me, in that how his life as an actor, you know, his, his parents get released from the camp. They come back and they. They build up their lives again. The father, tremendously industrious, you know, dry cleaning store, parlays that into a supermarket, parlays that into real estate. 
Um, and then that he's politically, uh, you know, George is politically active and an actor at the same time, helping out with various campaigns in the city of Los Angeles and around California. And just, you know, while he could not be out yet, in fact, I was kind of shocked, Matt, he did not come out publicly until the mid 2000s, which I was kind of surprised at. I thought that maybe it's the Mandela effect. It had been earlier than that. Certainly, it was interesting, again, having read his autobiography a number of times, including when it first came out, you know, mid 90s, kind of the, the, the great Star Trek glut that there was. You know, everybody has a book, everybody has a thing, everybody has a toy, et cetera, that you needed to get. Um, no mention at all about his homosexuality in you know that 1995 publication um but kind of vaguely remembering oh yeah the story or at least you know the story that you didn't know about in terms of stuff outside star trek uh he's writing towards the end of the book you know getting involved with marathons and uh still kind of being politically active and you know advocating for the sulu character behind the scenes etc etc to then see now him picking up that story and talk about getting involved with running and marathons, and that's how he met his future husband, Brad, uh, and then kind of having that timeline laid out in terms of the Massachusetts and California marriage equality laws and the tug and, uh, you know, back and forth over that that leads to Prop 8, 2008, so on and so forth, and then marriage equality nationally in 2015, there was this through line that I had not kind of fully appreciated, I guess, in real time and, and certainly hadn't needed to appreciate the way the way he did in his life. Yeah. Uh, and again, just in terms of the timeliness, I mean, this was done for um, Pride Month uh, and we're recording this on the 50th anniversary here of the Stonewall uh, Uprising up in uh, New York City. And uh, I didn't even know that was a three-day situation. I mean, I knew it had happened. I didn't realize the police laid siege for three days uh, on a gay bar. It's something so silly to think about today that we would see people as a threat in this way. But highlighted with the other information in his presentation, not at all surprised. Part of the perspective, the historical perspective that he brought was that it was 50 years ago this summer that you had three key events happening. And one, I think he, he, you know, he mentioned third a little self-deprecatingly. But first, as you mentioned, Pete, the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall riots. Second, 50th anniversary of putting a man on the moon. Third, uh, the 50th anniversary of, quote unquote, the end of so many careers with the cancellation of Star Trek. Little did anyone know that it was just the beginning. And, you know, as he kind of turned his talk to talking about some candidates today that he's for, some that he's against, I think we can all imagine who he's against, um, you know, and then kind of talking about the 2020 election and beyond, it really was this notion of, oh my goodness, this guy was affected by World War II, you know, lived life in the 60s, has seen changes in equality for him, as an Asian, him as a gay man, etc., and a little reminder that day to day things might not always feel great, but we're headed in the right direction if we all keep working for it. 
And it would have been enough to see this from the front row, Matt, something that I was surprised with at the last minute. But then to get to meet Mr. Decay on the way out over the moon about that. Yes, we were able to stay for a photo op and chit chat briefly. And uh, we were among the first people to to meet and, and do the photograph and whatnot. And I mean, to, to have, you know, shaked hands with George Takei, Mr. Sulu, just this astonishing moment. And um, I mean, just a magnetic personality at, at, you know, a man in his 80s and a really wonderful experience. Uh, topped off a little bit on the way out. Gentleman said, thanks for coming. And we walked on. I said, Pete, that was Brad Takei. So we got both Takeis there. We did. And uh, it was just such a wonderful experience. I was so, so gripped by what he had to tell us and how timely it remains. Well, with that, Pete, let's transition to Star Trek's future here. Uh, we had the news in the last week that Star Trek Picard, there was a showrunner announcement. I think you noted, Pete, there are five episodes into filming, and uh, the official showrunner is Michael Chabon. Pulitzer Prize winner Michael Chabon, Matt. Indeed, and certainly positive uh, reverberations felt by this. I know we've heard we've heard some concerns. Uh, we'll see how it all shakes out, uh, but certainly a lot of enthusiasm, I think, from fans in general. I have to note, Pete, that this is a situation again where we see uh, Alex Kurtzman's Star Trek regime, for lack of a better word. I don't mean regime necessarily in a bad way, but here we see Star Trek going outside the tent again. First, we had Michelle Paradise, uh, who was not involved in that first season um, and not much involved in the second season, as I recall, uh, being elevated to Discovery showrunner for season three. Now, again, we have somebody, Chabon, fairly new to you know, new to Star Trek, uh, getting the showrunner nod. Well, I mean, somebody who was involved, he wrote one of the short treks, the, the one that was set furthest in the future, Calypso. Um, he's been in the Picard writer's room since Jump Street. In fact, uh, it's become a thing on his Instagram for him to put something up and then it, to be hastily removed, either at the direction of CBS PR or at his own whim. Uh, but he's at one point tweeted out, not labeled, but tweeted out a diagram of the universe of Picard's uh, time and the various quadrants. So uh, if you're not following him on Instagram, you may want to do that. He tweeted out a picture of uh, his chair on set the very first day of filming and then that went away yeah it's kind of a peekaboo hide and seek instagram if you will and i know that we had had some discussion off mic what exactly is the role that kirsten Beyer is playing uh we certainly were under the impression that uh she was a key part of the brain trust that still does appear to be the case even as Further producers get added, get added, get added. Uh, there's been reference made in some of the coverage that she's an associate producer or a consulting producer. So certainly nice to see this, you know, in, in a certain sense, Kirsten Byer is kind of like the voice of the fans. And I don't mean to, you know, minimize her her uh, novel and TV and producing uh, abilities, but 
you know, I think she's kind of, she she's one of us as much as she is a person of the Star Trek industry. So it's nice to see her involvement, albeit at a slightly lower credited level. Somebody who was evidently key in developing the story pitch. Um, so, yeah, I mean, should be getting the title rightfully. Um, I mean, I think showrunner would have been a little bit much given that she had her first TV writing experience with uh, Discovery in season one, um, but definitely needs that credit. While we're talking, I guess, the the world of Star Trek series, um, maybe this news came out again, four or five episodes in, maybe it came out uh, to partially dispel the really bizarre rumor from, I believe, two weeks ago that Alex Kurtzman had been fired and he was handed a banker's box and said, and was told, put your potted plants in here. You shall be escorted <laughs> to the to the, the edge of the property and then we will slam the the chain link fence in your door in, in your face and da 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 and you know the day after that rumor hit from our standard youtube people who pete i think just make up things to get clicks uh, uh he dropped a an interview or a rather deadline dropped an interview with him talking about a variety of star trek things they're just so desperate to dredge up any bad news even if it's not real bad news yeah and i mean again we've We've heard things that aren't great about Kurtzman. Bottom line is this. Season one of Discovery, which obviously he had a lesser hand in, just fine. Season two of Discovery, really, really enjoyable. I think you can debate which season was better for a variety of reasons, and that's a healthy discussion to have. Uh, you know, everybody's excited. Any Star Trek fan is excited about Star Trek Picard. I'm interested to see what Lower Decks is going to be in terms of an adult-oriented animated property, the show being developed for Nickelodeon. Hey, Star Trek for kids. I mean, nothing wrong with that as an idea, even though it might not be up my alley or your alley. Seems like these are all positive things versus like, no, let's let's wait to see if we can convince Chris's Hemsworth and Pine to take a pay cut for Star Trek 4 in, I don't know, two years if we get the funding together. Like, let's make some Star Trek, man. Yeah, and we continue to hear the Tarantino stuff mostly because he's on the press junket right now with his film coming out next month, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, I am not rooting against that movie because you want to make, again, it's kind of like by the same measure, I'm not that interested in the Star Trek Nickelodeon show. You want to make it? Okay, you want to make R-rated Star Trek? Okay, we'll see what that looks like. I kind of think it's not going to get made. I think the Paramount probably is in, is in the position where it's like, the vaunted Quentin Tarantino wants to write a script for us. Okay, we'll see what it looks like. I, I don't think it's going to get made, but... You there know. is a script. Yeah. I, 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 well, I guess here's what I'm saying. To say, sure, you want to write this? Great. Oh, your agent says, you know, give you whatever, $200,000 for it. Okay, that's not, you know... We'll throw some money towards developing a script together. Hey, you delivered us a completed script. Awesome. That's a lot different than like rent out five sound stages in Toronto and get glacier time in Iceland and get ruins time in Rome because we start filming in December for the big movie. Like the two are very, very different. And until Paramount moves on, hey, we're actually going to make this versus we're going to take meetings to talk about your script. You know, time will tell. 
Yeah. And, you know, this, while there continues to be the, the slightest glimmer of hope that maybe Pine and Hemsworth become available again for a fourth uh, Star Trek film set in the Kelvin universe. <gasps> what? <laughs> Pete, you said Kelvin. It made, it made me feel all strange and funny. Um, it, it shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't. That's right. Again, if the Kelvin movies make you much afeard, you don't need to go see them. Same thing with R-rated Tarantino or Nickelodeon Trek or whatever. I, I will just say one thing, Pete. The Paramount has painted itself as, oh, they were so mean and hurt us. There was a deal in place before Star Trek Beyond came out. Um, f- there was the deal for Star Trek Four, Star Trek Kelvin Four. And uh, then Paramount decided, wait, we can't pay you guys that because the last movie didn't do, you know, Cumberbatch money. So at the very least, it's equal fault. Or if you want to lean towards the Chris's, they had a deal. And then the studio said, we don't want to do that deal anymore. And now people blame the Chris's. That's a little unfair, at least in my view. It is. And I think if they want it to happen, it'll ultimately happen. We'll just have to see. Well, speaking of more happening, we knew that there would be more short treks. Uh, Certainly some of them, I've heard anywhere between two and four, are going to be animated as part of, I guess, the production of of Lower Decks. But Pete, courtesy of good old Instagram, director Mark Pellington posted some info there, then deleted it, um, proving that he's working on uh, an enterprise-based uh, short Trek starring Rebecca Romaine and Ethan Peck, at least those two people. Yeah, it would make sense while they still have whatever sets not struck uh, to make use of that. It definitely does. And, you know, I give I give Kurt's Trek as a as a regime. I give them credit. You know, there was when there you was, said they weren't a regime. Well, I, well, I guess now I'm saying it playfully. I, here's what I'm trying to say, Pete. The the Alex Kurtzman Star Trek people in charge. It's more than just him, but that whole the, the current people in charge of Star Trek on TV, which I guess could be shortened as Kurtz Trek. Um, you know, to have an interview out there, and this might have been from Kurtzman himself, but to have an interview out there three four weeks ago. Um, hey, we hear fans talking about how they want Pike Trek. We're looking into it. If we're enthusiastic about the characters, we'll see, we'll see, that kind of thing. Meanwhile, they are working on a short trek. I kind of like that. You know, I kind of like that they have a plan. They did hear us. Or, or heck, they got out of season two saying, oh, this is pretty good. And I'm sure glad we inserted language into the contracts to do a short track. Or I'm glad that we didn't insert language, but we reached out to them and said, hey, you want to do this for six days or, or whatever it might be. It's nice to see that they're being proactive as opposed to, you know, no, we have this vision. We must stick to this vision, um, you know, or the, or at the very least the vision of we're going to have one show and then we're going to have another show and they're not going to ever cross. It's just nice to see it's this living, breathing thing. And as much as I, as much as I kind of want to be down on short treks as a product that is meant to get money out of us, it was a pretty solid product and it was a pretty solid bonus and, I'm even more excited about it now if we're going to get Rebecca Romaine and Ethan Peck. And you look at the way they integrated information from that second season into those and really kind of previewed it for us. Yeah, I mean, those all four of those short treks ended up being 
critical to having a full, well-rounded understanding of season two. And we didn't know that going in. And I, I kind of appreciate that. Then you add on to it the notion that the next round of short treks, all right, is the animated stuff going to directly lead into Discovery season three? Uh, probably not, you know. But we, we, we don't know how important they are or how disposable they are. It's just this really wonderful, mysterious anthology and uh i certainly would not have expected to have an enterprise short trek i would not have expected that before this this news came out can you do pike trek without pike i think well i think there's a couple of things the breadcrumbs that were followed to include romaine and peck that doesn't mean that you know anson mount wasn't showing up the next day and it just somehow you know missed the instagram uh post you know which is say was not posted about on instagram therefore kind of missed the rumor uh not quite found footage but you know kind of the the find on instagram and how that fed the story um there's that you know also you know could it be a money thing could it be hey they just have a really great number one spock story that they want to tell and it's like hey anson we'll get you next time or you know are all three of them coming for Enterprise Short Trek number two that films in a month from now because of other people's commitments or whatever. Again, there's all this flexibility in here. I would certainly love Anson, ba- Anson Mount, Rebecca Romaine, and Ethan Peck all in some kind of story. When do we see them? Well, I think you have a couple options. Do they kind of meet them out slowly ahead of Picard? Okay, maybe. But if they're going to do one a month and Picard is hitting september ish i mean then they would be coming out whether it's you know live action or animated or whatever we'd be hearing about them sooner than not Uh, do they do it as a bridge no pun intended between picard and discovery i think there's a financial argument to be made there i don't know i don't think we will see picard as early as september i think things will will take a little bit more to get rolling um and, you know, the, the timeline between Picard, between Discovery, when you consider that they were filming short treks in June, July of last year, and when we got short treks, and then when we got those episodes, um, you know, beginning in uh, January, uh, the, the, the main uh, run of episodes and our short treks began in October. Well, and I think, Pete, as we've joked about before, to add to it, uh, we will also be podcasting The Mandalorian, the Star Wars show, uh, coming to Disney Plus November 12th. So, of course, that would be a better time. It would be much better if Picard comes out, I don't know, the the week before or the week after. That way yeah, we could for just our be schedule. Going... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Skin on that. <laughs> you know, j- just, so that, just so that we can be completely haggard between that and i'm sure there'll be maybe a a uh you know marvel's runaways coming out right around then uh watching take care of fantastic geek won't you well take care of us to a point i don't know that we want to necessarily (laughs) hit that for uh, that that second week in november with all right pete Pete, here's all we have to podcast uh new godfriended me new mandalorian and i think it's two episodes drop uh, for the mandalorian although i don't remember uh 
new Picard episode, new Watchmen episode. Oh, and that's also the week that they're going to announce, oh my goodness, for uh, Discovery Season 3, surprise, surprise, casting news. It's Marina Sirtis as the computer, and et cetera, et cetera. Oh, and uh, guess what? Uh, new footage for... Uh, you know, for for uh, Star Wars Episode Nine, et cetera, et cetera. So they might try and break us, Pete, but we will not be broken. Uh, they have tried before and they have failed. Well, Pete, speaking of discovery, when do you think we're going to start to hear about them filming? When do you think Discovery Season 3 is going to release? I We know it'll be in 2020. Um, I think they will begin filming once Picard has wrapped give or take a little bit of time, I would say, you know, September, October. Is when they start to, to start to make it? Yes. Hmm. So that would put us March, April-ish when it comes yeah. out. That's when I think, and you got to remember, uh, I understand they'll do the lower decks prior to that. So maybe it's a Picard uh, lower decks discovery and then maybe short treks peppered in between each. Bottom line is this. I think that they continue to be well served with all of this, with short treks, with lower decks, with Picard, with Discovery, with the Section 31 show that's going to immediately start filming as soon as Discovery Season 3 is done. They have a sense in terms of the release schedule of not always having something, not leading from Discovery Season 3 finale immediately into whatever the next thing is to just give a little bit of time where it's, it's gone. It star Trek is gone long enough for you to miss it for it to then come back with a slightly new take, a slightly new season, a new series, whatever it might be. I mean, look, they're wise enough to know that star Trek means eyeballs on the eyeball network, the eyeball streamer. Um, I don't think twilight zone though. I watched it all and enjoyed it. Matt kind of fizzled out on that, um, got the kind of attention uh, for its entirety that they maybe thought it would. Um, haven't heard anything about it being renewed either, although I expect it'll be back, particularly with how it ended. But that's all I'll say there. Um, but, you know, it, it can't be all Star Trek all the time and there'll be breaks in between eventually like they've said there will be you know a lot of star trek programming throughout the course of a year but you know to build up a little bit of this thirst for it and then to uh sake it i think is a is a wise thing well, Pete, our whole Star Trek journey here made possible by the people who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. They keep us going. They are our dilithium crystals, making sure that we can move from one series to the next, etc. And our thanks to them. They are. And everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content, all sorts of levels. Takes a dollar to get you in, though. And that dollar does more than you might think. The best thing, though, Pete, is for free. That is for no gold press latinum. People can talk to you on Twitter. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 10,552 followers. Can't be wrong. 
And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast, comment on fantasticgeek.com, check us out on Twitter, on Instagram, on Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek, all one word, with the P, with the H, like it today. Well, Pete, we will talk more Star Trek news when there is more news of Star Trek to talk about. I would imagine that would be sometime in July. Certainly, we'll talk again ahead of STLV and our coverage there, uh, which we'll do in early August. So with that, Pete, I will say live long and prosper to all listening and give you the final word. Beam me up. <laughs>